0: make software we're here to help you do it better i'm mark littlewood you're listening to the business of software podcast where we share talks from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think you can find out more at businessofsoftware.org hi it's mark littlewood from business of software conference Uh, welcome to our thanksgiving recorded edition of the BOSS podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by a Canadian today, so she's not filled with turkey, um, but it's Joanna Weeb. She spoke in Boston, uh, BOSS USA 2017 um, on the topic of old school copywriting for new school businesses, um, and it was a fantastic talk. You can go and look it up, watch it, uh, see some of the most beautiful slides I've ever seen, um, or uh, download the transcript or read the transcript by going to businesssoftwareorg slash blog and the first pinned post has all the previous talks so without any further ado I'm going to get out of the way and we're going to introduce Joanna. Hi! Hey how's it
1: going?
0: Very good very good and I'm so pleased you have a cat that behaves itself. So far. Oh very good. Um, we I, <laughs> We had Wade Foster from Zapier talk in Europe this year about remote working. And uh, one of the questions that someone uh, brought up was, how can you possibly work remotely at home with a cat? Because the second you get to the keyboard, they suddenly become your best friend and uh, Mm -hmm. crawl all over you. So yeah, you've uh, either stuck it to the shelf there. Or it's well trained. Um, welcome, Joe, uh, Joanna. How, how have you been? What are you up to?
1: Oh, really, really good. Up to a lot of things. We've actually just started. I mean, Copy Hackers has always been an online training and content business, and we've just started an agency, which is like what? Wow! Um, so it's cool. We've got a lot of cool clients already. Um, yeah. So things are kind of badass right now. Everything feels cool.
0: Yeah. You live your life as a badass right? So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm the most badass <laughs> with my cat if <laughs> you can tell that's how you know.
0: <laughs> that's excellent yes no I, I was always a dog person and then we got cats and now I'm a cat person so um, there we go. Um, yeah. I'd like to start at uh, start just by um, asking you to kind of give a a very quick overview, because, again, people can go and uh, watch the video and the transcript and the slides um, themselves. But um, one of the things you were talking about um, when you spoke at BOSS last year was, the, uh, was, was how to write well, and you talked about the seven sweeps um, oh. of copywriting. Tell us about that.
1: Okay, so the seven sweeps are the thing you do at the very end of a draft. So a lot of the time we talk about because so many people jump when they're thinking of copywriting, they jump straight to putting words that sound good on the page. They think that's it, but there's this whole process that comes before it. So we try to teach that process all the time so that people don't um, make that mistake. But then there comes the point when you're actually going to, you know, finesse the words, make them sound good. Um, and that's where the seven sweeps come in. So the seven sweeps are. A sweep in copywriting is just a really fast um, review of your copy. But the sweep is designed, the seven sweeps are designed um, to make sure that you're hitting the seven key parts of optimizing your copy instead of just being like, does it sound good? Is there like, Um, and then someone comes in and says, yeah, but is it clear? And someone else is like, it's not specific enough. So the seven sweeps take these seven points and uh, you apply them in a sweeping motion really quickly. The job is to go fast um, and see if your copy can be improved in these certain ways. So the seven sweeps, I'll read them out. Um, The clarity sweep is the first one. That's everything begins with clarity and ends with clarity. Then comes specificity. So how this works is if you just write a page or an email and you're getting ready to publish it or send it out, uh, you go over it and you read it first for clarity. And you just highlight things that seem unclear, like, hmm, that doesn't seem clear. Highlight them as you go, then quickly go back in and just swiftly, again, we're trying to do this fast, swiftly modify it so that it's clear. Okay, cool. Now you read through it. You've done the first sweep. Now you read through with the second one, which is specificity. So go over that. Is it all specific? Highlight things that could be more specific, like a term that. Like save time where you're like, oh, maybe that could be save six hours or something. So you highlight that, you go over it, um, and then you go in and you edit out all those highlighted parts. Cool. Then you go back to the first sweep. So you're always moving down and then back up the sweeps, which is why you have to go fast because there are seven. <laughs> so we want to like all <laughs> ask through this. Um, so yeah, we do uh, clarity. Uh, Oh, specificity, sorry, comes down. So clarity, voice and tone, I have them listed out here because it's first thing in the morning, my brain hurts. Um, (laughs) Voice and tone, then the two sweeps that follow are believability, um, so that's so what, and prove it. So whenever you make a claim, or really put almost anything on a website, this is a big one, you have to ask, so what? Like, so what, why should anybody care? And then, okay, prove it. So if I care, now you have to prove it. So, so what? Prove it, then comes specificity, then comes the heightened motion sweep, and then the zero risk sweep. So by the end of it, um, is there anything holding me back? Like, is there any real friction for me around possibly going forward with this and taking on that risk? So that's it, you just go through and sweep one by one, just go very quickly over it, and by the end, you're more likely to have clear um, copy that's specific, that's believable, that has the right voice and tone instead of just wildly guessing at things. It's emotional and that's, of course, low risk.
0: That's Can it. you just talk a little bit about the heightened emotion sweep? What, yeah. what do you mean by that?
1: Heightened emotion being, um, we often say, like, oh, be emotional. <laughs> people buy based on emotion. So, like, um, people like, it's it's hard to know how to be emotional. Like, what do you mean? So, we're trying to tap into. Usually an emotion based on where what they're feeling right now at the start of the page. So they land on the page What are they feeling match that and then by <clears throat> excuse me then by the end of the page By the end of the page um, The transformation like how do they feel now? Um, so you've got at least those two emotions that you're dealing with now if you're like, okay people land on this page and they feel um, Annoyed with the problem that they have okay so you write copy that you know matches the sense of like, ooh, you're annoyed because you put on a shirt and it shrunk. So
0: yeah, like, I have oh, that bottom. all the time. I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> I know, especially after Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> Are you so having like, a go? All on my clothes shrink, <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you match that, and then you try to move them to that like moment of like tra- happiness with the transformation, etc. Um, okay, fine we can write that but a lot of times the reason we say heightened emotion is because you generally um, have to push harder than you think you have to on emotion generally some people are naturally they just pour emotion into their copy and then they pass the heightened emotion sweep with flying colors but the rest of us um, when we have in our heads things like oh I don't want to annoy people I don't want to be too heavy-handed I don't want, I feel like it's going to take away from being clear if I even dive into any sort of emotion. Um, What if one member of my audience doesn't feel that way? Then what? Um, And so the heightened emotion sweep is just like, hey, just forget everything. When you look at this, when you like read this line, this line that's supposed to make people feel something, doesn't make them feel it? Does it make it feel, does it make them feel something so much that? Someone might feel uncomfortable and want to edit that out. Like where you're like, oh, I actually felt something. Can we just like modify that so I feel nothing? Mm. Um, And that's the thing that we're working against. That's why you want to do that, sweet.
0: So it's very, very common in script writing and filmmaking and TV production to have a huge team of writers. Um, Almost the opposite is the case if you're going to write sensible copy for websites. Would that be a fair...
1: Generally, so there's the writer, uh, the copywriter, and then there are all the reviewers. (laughs) People love reviewing copy and giving their opinion on it, even though they may not be qualified to write it in the first place. So that's okay. I get it. Um, I get it. So that's why it's good if you do have reviewers. Like, um, let's say you have a convenient seven number of reviewers. You've got seven of them for seven sweeps. You can assign each one a sweep. Like, okay, Julia, your job uh, is to review this copy with, um, with the question in your head. So what on every line? So what, so what, so what, so what? So then you can assign it that way. It doesn't work in the same sweeping motion because you're not going up and down. Um, that's okay because it still gives them something to focus on instead of thinking like, do I like this? Is this on brand? And that kind of stuff that is rarely helpful when you're actually writing copy. Copy that, converts at least.
0: Really interesting. Um, Really interesting point actually. Because, yeah, the hardest thing to do is to start with a blank piece of paper or a blank screen and start writing.
1: Trying
0: to fill it in. Everyone's a critic, right? Everyone thinks they've got a book in them, and everybody can point out the problems in other people's books, but uh, yeah. Sure, I'd, I'd love to kind of move on to a few few questions um, that we've had uh, up in advance, because I think some of these are really, um, are really interesting. So, Jess from Balsamic Mockups, um, I might come to the topic of using, uh, or oh, sorry, Balsamic wireframes, mm-hmm. um, so I might, might come to the topic of kind of prototyping copy Mm -hmm. with Mm wireframes as well, because that's something that we've been uh, doing a little bit ourselves now as well. So uh, as we're redesigning our website, so very selfish. Um, But uh, Jess Mm -hmm. asks, how do you prepare for writing about topics you know little about?
1: Oh, um, so I know almost nothing about anything other than how to make a cat (laughs) sit. (laughs) Um, That's all I got. So, um, which is perfectly fine. I actually am working with a client right now who um, has created a platform for uh, measuring engineers, engineering performance. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) I've never measured engineering performance. I have zero (laughs) idea. Um, But that's not the point because I'm not going to be writing copy based on what's sitting inside my head and my own knowledge of it. Um, I'm not even going to write it based on what the founders believe. I'll interview them, um, but we're going to write copy by like listening to customers and prospects and pulling in what they say and putting that on the page. So as long as you can listen without um, getting too like interrupting too much where a lot of people are like, oh, I get it, I heard what you said, I can write this now. No, 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 don't interrupt at all, like ever. Um, Just take everything that you're hearing and pull it in, synthesize it, but don't summarize it, and then start organizing it on the page, and you never actually have to know anything about anything.
0: Wow, so if you know too much about something, and conversely, what are the Mm. dangers there?
1: Yeah, well, that's why people come and hire outside help, where they're like, I need, <laughs> I need fresh eyes on this. I do not know anymore, so um, it's as hard, like coming up with a value proposition for your own product is like impossible because you know everything that went into it. You can't see the forest for the like. You can't. You can't pick anything. Yeah, you don't yeah. know what the point is or what the real value is. So, um, yeah, you can. I've seen it so many times. I strongly believe that startup founders are best suited to write their own copy until you get to a place where um, it's not working for you anymore, honestly. Yeah. And that is where, at that point, bring somebody in, not because. You don't know how to write copy, but because you're too close to it, because the product's changing so much, the markets cha- like everything around you, you're consuming and constantly absorbing. You're thinking about it all the time. You're in a really bad position to actually mm-hmm. write objective copy. That's going to speak well to the right audience. So, but before that, you should write your own. Um, once you feel like, oh, I don't even know how to talk to this anymore. Back yeah. off. or
0: something else no it's very interesting Uh, so talking to rahul vora at superhuman um who did a fantastic talk that we're releasing next week um that has now he then wrote a blog post that was picked up by first round capital that's been quite widely shared he was talking about the product market fit engine um he he said one of his favorite things to do is to write copy Mm. Uh, and, it, and it really shows, actually. It really <laughs> shows. So, um, and it struck me, Jason Freed, um, in the year that you were uh, talking, was, was looking at how people use Basecamp and how they were, how they were operate, using Basecamp as the operating system for their uh, organisation. And I remember one of the questions was uh, from someone in the audience, what happens if you have someone on the team who's very good with words and talking, but can't write. And he's like, we can't work with them. Mm-hmm. Because actually yeah. writing clearly is an absolutely critical part of the way we work. And that's not the same for every, every organization, but it's, yeah. it's quite noticeable that a lot of the really best known and, and sort of thought of companies have people who you know are really, really focused on, on, on being clear.
1: Yeah. Well, even Jason Breed, I think that they've always said that everybody that works for them is a copywriter, Like, Not everybody's a designer. Not everybody's, you know, the growth marketer or Mm -hmm. the developer, but everybody is a copywriter, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. You've all got to be able to talk about this. Yeah.
0: I think it's great. Um, So just a bit of follow up. Um, follow-up question on the writing about things you know about and don't know about, but um, Joanne Penn um, from Mm. Twitter. Do you know Joanne? Yeah. You know everyone. Um, how (laughs) How can copywriters who work with SaaS companies familiarize themselves with the technical language that's often required? I don't know if this is a trick question, by the way. More SME interviews, reading other SaaS blogs, practice makes perfect.
1: Yeah, all of those things except possibly the practice because it also makes permanent and that's bad if you don't know what you're doing. Um, but no, it is a matter of, of uh, listening. That's, I mean, it, I know people are like, yeah, thanks for saying that. Now I have to actually go try to do this, but it, but it really does make your life easier when you stop trying to write, <laughs> stop trying to get in there and involve yourself. All you have to do is listen, just keep on listening. Um yeah. just be, the best thing you can work at practicing is your listening skills. Like how do you uh, minimize the bias that you bring? How do you ask better interview questions? How do you run better interviews at all? Mm. How do you figure out the right question to ask at the right point in the experience? If you spend your time as a copywriter or a marketer working on those skills instead of worrying about, well, I don't know about my, the technical side of my company, which I fully get, or my company, my client, whatever, um, that stuff will come with like you read through their documentation and now you know right like it's yeah. um it's it's that's the honestly in my experience that's the easiest part of the job it's the possibly a terribly boring part of it um but it is the the easier part i'm
0: gonna yeah. push back a little bit on okay. this from the perspective of reading all the SaaS blogs um because mm. in this era of content marketing and growth hacking mm. there is very often no relationship between the popularity of a post and the value it contains, <laughs> and there are a, a lot of, technical term, shitey blogs that Ooh. are written for SEO, or mm-hmm. how, how, do you, how do you go about working out where you the, the I mean, because the pool of SaaS blogging stuff is infinite, yeah. where, where, where do you go to find the good stuff, or how do you, how do you assess it critically?
1: Yeah, so when I'm talking about writing copy, um, I'm not talking about reading from a person who thinks that they're being listened to. Um, So as soon as I'm writing a blog post, that's not the content that's interesting to me as a copywriter. So whatever person that like, if we're all thinking of the same blog, I don't know. um, But whatever person is writing this, that's not the point. The comment section is the point when we're writing copy. Like what are people saying in reaction to it? So I have very little interest in the actual original content. I wanna hear what people are saying as a reaction, what they're tweeting about it, what they're saying on Facebook about it. um, Every other thing that that might come up, as soon as somebody knows that they're being filtered or listened to, they edit, they self edit. And that's not gonna be useful in any way for copywriting. Taking techniques from blog posts where people are like, oh, it's not about what you put on the page, but rather here's how to do it. Always use this framework, always use this formula. I think that's a matter of just take that with a grain of salt. And we should all know by now that even if you can't test everything, the point behind testing is don't just take ideas and assume that they're right. For your audience right so we can talk about oh the PAS framework is the most killer framework I've ever used in copywriting okay good for you Joe I'm gonna go try it here and if it doesn't <laughs> work for me then I'm not going to do it and thank you for sharing your insights um, but we all have to I think we all do know that that you can't mm. just something. it would be really ideal if we could all just keep following the whole Dropbox invite a friend and get extra storage thing but like some of these days are gone right like you can't have to come up with your own original idea now Um, good luck also but (laughs) that's the yeah so it's always take with a grain of salt but when it comes to actually putting words on the page based on things you've been listening to um, I would never take it from something that felt edited at all
0: yeah Yeah. interesting so there's a few few questions around this as well I guess I'm gonna chuck a few of these in in one go because they are um, related. So firstly, do journalists make good copywriters? What qualities should you look for when hiring a journalist to write copy? That's from Tim Burgess, um, mm. who's down in Sydney or Melbourne um, at Shield Geo. So that was one, one question. Mm. Um, Daniel Rothlig at Eigencode says, from sales to support to company announcements to internal tech docs, everyone has to be a good writer in the small SaaS. When should you start hiring dedicated wordsmiths, and when should mm. you use that money to existing, uh, to upskill existing roles? Um, mm. And there's another related question from uh, Brian Harris, um, who was at Redgate, was now at Domino Printing. Is it possible to significantly improve the writing skills of your team with training? That may be an opportunity for you to plug something, by the way. <laughs> um,
1: Thanks, Brian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a professional writer is usually worth the investment because A, it's easy to teach your writer technology than a techie how to write. Well, maybe discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. They can continuously level up their colleagues. There's some very good writing workshops out there, but to make real difference, I believe you benefit more from having a writer on staff. Yeah. So some quite related things and you kind of were saying that founders are the best copywriters when they uh, start and then they aren't. Um, so this is, I suppose, about scaling copy into, uh, across teams and... Yeah,
1: yeah. So it really, it really does depend. Um, so I believe that, <laughs> we didn't want to give that answer that it depends, but here we go. Um, <laughs> but it does turn out that like, so when you're really early stage startup, your founder, two co-founders, and maybe one person that you're struggling to pay. Um, You've got this really small team. The worst thing, in my opinion, that you can do is try to take what tiny little budget you have that you can like scrounge together, even if that's like, oh, we've got $3,000. $3,000 is not going to get you a very good copywriter unless that copywriter is like, okay, but I'm going to need some part of your company too. So right then you're not giving $3,000 either. So if your budget is legitimately small, um, that's a good indication that it's probably best for you to write copy. And by the way, it's always best for you to know how to write copy because even when you do hire a copywriter, you're going to be reviewing copy or you're reviewing the copy that the person below you just reviewed or whatever that is. Eventually you're going to see it on your own website, even when you're a billion dollar company and you'll be like, what? Why are you so me <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right.
1: So, so I strongly believe that when you're small, everybody should be a skilled in-house copywriter. Where well, that doesn't mean you have to know everything. It means, okay, I have to write this website. I'm gonna read everything I can about writing a website for a fast company. Um, cool. So read through it. Take it like the training that it might be now of course think of the source always but if you believe it's a credible source then it's worth at least following the steps they lay out think about market sophistication that's a big one that a lot of startups don't think about where they jump very quickly into oh copy has to be short Mailchimp had great copy when they first started out, and their copy was really short. Um, and you look at other companies, and you're like, "Their copy short. Their copy short. theirs is short." Um, but you're, let's say, you're interruptive, like, or you're disruptive. You're, uh, or you're trying to create a new category. Now your market sophistication is super low, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to raise everybody up to a level where they could even be prepared for short copy. Um, and that means that you can't just go around following like, Oh, I think that copy is good. I'm just going to do the same thing because if your market actually needs you to share a lot more information on the page than you're ready to, um, that's the thing. So point being there. When you're reading through blog posts about how to write SAS copy, if it says jump straight to, oh, make sure your headline pops or some garbage like that, close <laughs> that tab down, move on to the next post. What um, is the okay. headline
0: that pops? Is that like seven sexy secret SAS
1: oh, makes surprises wanna. My that head
0: successfully slide?
1: <laughs> yes. Snakes. All the alliteration you could possibly handle. <laughs> yes. yes. Just good web writing. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, but I know that that art like discussion was happening on Twitter around hiring a writer versus training uh, a writer or training your team to write. <clears throat> Again, small. I fully recommend that you train your team to write. That's exactly why plug. We have courses um, at Copy Hackers, and that's why we started with ebooks, not because we were like, hey you guys should do this, but because Hacker News was like, hey, can you teach us? Um, And so we know that there's also a hunger among startup founders to learn how to do this because at every stage you are writing copy. You're putting a pitch deck together. Do you know what that is? That's copy. You're going to organize that in such a way that it's persuasive, that it hooks people, that's not just pushing information at them, right? You're always Mm. copywriting. You send an email to a potential partner. That's copy. It's not an email, it's actual copy. You wanna be persuasive with it. So, yes, you should always learn to write copy. Then, of course, when you're ready for the next thing, then bring in an expert when you can afford somebody who can come in and say, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, here's why, here's what customers said, here's what we recommend going forward, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Journalists. Journalists make fantastic copywriters actually um mm-hmm. we have a mastermind with a handful of journalists or former journalists in it and this is nothing against the other copywriters in it but the journalists are like the shining stars in the group yeah. um they can form really good arguments they understand research that you're supposed to research that you can't just say whatever you feel like saying um or what you want to claim because they know that readers are skeptical and they need to believe what you're saying. Um, journalists. Hands down, I actually were hiring a whole bunch of copywriters right now, and the first place I posted was a journalism job board. Tragically, <laughs> it did not result in applicants, I think, because nobody goes to that job board. Um, <laughs>
0: That's because there aren't I many would... jobs in journalism anymore. <laughs> I'm
1: like, don't you need a job? Um, but yeah, journalist, <laughs> fantastic. Yes, take a quick copywriting course on like how to turn what you know in like about writing persuasively into copy that works mm. digitally. Um, and yeah, you can get lots of jobs. I would hire a journalist as a copywriter and train them in a heartbeat far before I would, and I was an English major, but I would do it far before I'd hire a, an English major, a uh, marketing major. Journalism I would hire first. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: anything else to throw think yeah. We sort of were covering most of the.
1: Well, so that was the journalism question. Then there's when to hire, wordsmiths one never call your copywriter a wordsmith please stop using the word fluff stop (laughs) using wordsmith none of those things will help you write better copy or attract a copywriter that actually knows like that respects herself (laughs) because she's like i'm not a wordsmith if anything i'm a salesperson like i'm not a wordsmith so please let that go but we have talked about when to hire one and when to actually hire one so Hiring a copywriter in house versus an agency, and I know I just said at the beginning of this that we've just started an agency, so it's like, hi, biased girl. Um, But (laughs) hire copywriters when you're ready to hire. Uh, So hire an email copywriting specialist, hire um, a sales page copywriting specialist, hire a Facebook, like that means Facebook ads and Facebook landing page copywriting specialist. Hire those people. Don't hire a generalist because that generalist can't do everything and do it do it like the way that you'll need them to at all and mm. I know it's like well I don't have budget to hire three copywriters then you should probably still work with an agency until you're ready for that um, and then can you what was the one? Oh, oh, significantly improve the writing skills of- yeah
0: leveling people up and bringing copywriters yeah. in versus teaching the tech people to. Yeah,
1: which we've kind of covered, right? Yeah. Teach- yeah, a, a person who's built the product can probably speak really well to its value versus mm. somebody who comes in and is like, I just don't get your product, yeah. which I've seen with a lot of copywriters. I had one that I just had to, um, a subcontractor who I hired for a technical, uh, not, it's not even a technical job, it's still a conversion copywriting job, Yeah, um, but the product was so technical that she was like i don't i don't i don't know how to do this and had to uh, leave yeah. and sometimes the a, a technical person will struggle to produce copy that converts okay that's understandable but that also does come with practice so keep training keep trying yeah. so
0: if you can code can you learn to copyright? are there are there similar is well, there a sort of a, a similarity in the two skill sets to think?
1: I'm sure some people would say yes. Mm. Um, I know that my our lead developer is such an awesome dude and can't write to save his life. And you <laughs> wouldn't be upset at me saying that. He'd be the first to say that. Um, but I and so I don't know that it's like it comes down to the way you bring I don't know. I have no idea. Mm. But sometimes if you care enough, then the copy can be great i think if my if steven my lead developer if he was like joanna's not here nobody's here that can write copy then he would learn how Um, he's just got me as a crutch understandably Um, (laughs) but yeah i don't know that it comes down to i don't know enough about the world of like coding i know the essentials um yeah no i'm sure some would say yes because you look at like rob walling and he Loved the marketing side of the business and actually writing copy. He's a very good copywriter. He's also mm-hmm. a programmer. Um, Patio 11, Patrick yeah. McKenzie, another great example of someone who's really good at coding um, and also really super interested in writing copy and good at that too. Yeah. So maybe there's something to
0: it. He's very good. And he's also an extraordinary speaker once he... Yeah.
1: Oh, please. When you go to MicroConf and he talks, Mm. it's like watching Elvis in a room with just raving, like everybody's going nuts. (laughs) I had to follow Patrick at MicroConf one year and I was like, Rob must hate me because who puts me on after like the show, like the guy everybody showed up for. (laughs) He's
0: He's lovely. He's lovely. Um, You were saying about the difference between web copy, Facebook landing page copy and Mm. email. Yeah. Just give us a little bit more about the differences there. And I I suppose this is something that's probably going to turn not just into something about copy, but those are very different mediums and people often Mm -hmm. think of copy as words. Um, Yeah. But there's...
1: When it comes to like Facebook versus email, they're actually very uh, similar. When I'm someone who can write a really good Facebook ad can also generally write a really good email. When you look at the two, um, they're both meant to be one-to-one. They're both supposed to feel like me just sharing something real with you. Um, Although email feels a bit more like it should be more about me, whereas Facebook feels like you're allowed to say things about you, but the point still is for you to say things about me as your reader anyway. Um, so they're similar, but when you look at them, like a Facebook ad begins with essentially a headline or subject line to grab you just like an email. Um, and then they're written in a narrative form. So you open with a hook, you have a left margin. You always keep people reading down, uh, email and Facebook ads both do the same things there. So you can, if you can write an email, um, it generally doesn't take that much more for you to write a Facebook ad and vice versa versus writing a landing page or a long-form sales page, which is a completely different beast, or a website in general, where you do not have that level of control over what people are looking at, how they navigate through what you've got. And um, you can control that better with Facebook and with email than you can. A website yeah. so if you can write those two things um, then that's cool the challenge may be learning to write for a scanning audience even though that's still you're still considering a scanning audience all the time today yeah. I think always too. let's not kid ourselves um, but but writing for the web is just a different thing entirely mm. yeah yeah they have a lot in common
0: so if you're writing for the web uh, and you've talked about using wireframes and your um, yeah. copywriting process is that more important when you're writing for the web or is it something that you would use in email and Other types of copywriting as well.
1: Yeah, I find um, I think it can be useful to Wire a facebook ad only If it's problematic for you to just put the facebook ad together and then keep it available in like a a Non-live mode, but there's really no reason for that um, it can be useful to wireframe those ads if you wanna say, okay, here's what it looks like before the read more and here, or like the click to learn more and here's what it looks like after, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but that's easy enough, easily done in Facebook's ad manager itself. But wireframing copy is so important. Like copy, sorry, when I say that, I'm just so used to the web um, yeah. as the thing. So yeah, when you're writing a landing page, when you're writing your homepage, when you're writing anything, Um, I teach copywriters to wireframe because the organization of information is like everything, right? This messaging hierarchy you're trying to create, it just doesn't show up in a Google doc. Like people just can't imagine like (laughs) what's how, like how is my eye being drawn around? At Mm -hmm. what point is there a false bottom that you've accidentally created with the way you've written the copy or something, right? So if you can wire your copy, then Everything in my experience gets better rounds of feedback are like nil because people can finally imagine Oh, that's how the headline will look. Okay, cool That's gonna be that section that has the demo got it. Here's how the page flows Um, and they don't have to do the work of Guessing at how it's gonna show up and that work is this huge frictiony moment when you're dealing with people who are reviewing your copy where Nobody's really speaking of the reality that like, no, you're like, I'm, there's, I'm trying to figure out where this stuff is going to go. Instead, they say like, oh, I don't like that headline or mm, I'm not sure if I like this. Put it in a wireframe and suddenly they're like, oh, that's how it'll work.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you get like, no, as someone who deals with clients, you get like no rounds of feedback. It's amazing.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So you've got a client <clears throat> with a website. Um, mm-hmm. And half the users are using that website on a mobile, and half of them mm. on a website. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Act>. <laughs> mobile kills us every time. But OK, so my first question with that is and this people might not like this, but uh, the people who convert, what device are they on? So if it's still, oh, 50% convert on mobile and 50% convert on the web, okay. Then it feels like you should, or not on the web, on, sorry, they're locked up. Then can you make mobile-specific pages, right? Because you're, you're never going to solve for both of these people together. Yeah. If you're like, I can only solve for one, well, then look at the one space or what the device that people are on uh, when they do convert. That's the best I can say, yeah. other than that, create two very different two like actual different experiences for the two different uh, contexts.
0: I mean with mobile copy and um, what are your what are your sort of what are your sort of thoughts on how that should work? is it is it I mean, I guess you need to be shorter because people don't um, necessarily have the ability to read as much. But yeah. uh, is that something that you need to think about in headlines or in the in the body or what are your?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I write copy that's specifically for mobile, um, you're definitely thinking short, right? Shorter is better, but that doesn't mean, but the thing that you don't want to do is do short that cuts out the good. So a lot of people, this is how we have headlines like save time and money, where you're like, okay, it's four words. Perfect it works on mobile, but it yeah. doesn't mean anything and it's two ideas. So it's breaking rules immediately So if you're gonna land somebody if someone's coming on a mobile device, then of course the first thing you're thinking of is Context right like where are they standing? Where are they, What are they doing when they're reading this? What drove them here? You have to know so much about your um, Reader at that point. Yeah, because you're like we it's not just about making the words shorter or making the sentences shorter um, it's far better matching what they're thinking in that moment and then just focusing your copy on those things. So if mm. I'm coming to it's so, and that's where it's like, there's just so much research that's required, but if it comes down to, um, well, okay, I did the research, Joanna. Now what now? Yeah. Focus on not breaking good copywriting rules. Like don't summarize to create a headline, create a compelling headline. If you're going to spend words anywhere, spend them in a headline, Uh, put more words in your headline, uh, as long as those are compelling words for your prospect, (laughs) Um, which is always the case, right? Like, yeah. um, yeah. And what else can you, not cut, but where can you be really economical with your copywriting? Like where can you take 12 words and say it better in seven? And that's possible, but that's not, But importantly, don't summarize there. Like, don't break that rule. Don't try to get it down to a vague, watery, nobody-knows-what-you're-talking-about kind of state where you're like, well, it's short at least. Yeah, but nobody gives a damn about it. Like, nobody cares. So um, it's tougher, definitely, um, but doable as long as you know who your reader is.
0: This is where you get sort of things like delivering solutions or... Which actually is a, is a real-life example. Because, I, I mean, look, you see that on virtually every... Yes. I mean, there are so many software companies. But when I walked out of the building after you'd spoken last year in the World Trade Center, there was a cement lorry, one of those cement delivery. And it literally yes. had delivering solutions across the side. Oh. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. They must be in SaaS or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the worst part is, you know, that they were like high fiving each other over that. Like, yes, that's what we're doing. We're delivering solutions. Uh, so is FedEx. So, like, so is everybody. Every, that's the whole point.
0: Ever. That's what people pay people for.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's like the whole point in having a business <laughs> to deliver a solution.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a tragedy. Yeah. Um,
0: question has just just come in. Actually, it's sort of slightly late, but um. If you're hiring copywriters, um, as freelancers, Mm -hmm. how do you assess them? And what sort of rates should you expect? I mean, how do you, you, you're obviously not gonna be paying them by the word.
1: (laughs) No, please don't. You'll get what you pay for if you do that, yeah. Um, So here's what I do. I start with asking them to open up Loom, like use loom.com and uh, throw your website up there or a competitor's website or whatever and say, um, okay, I want you to take three minutes to tell me what's wrong with this. You don't have to tell me how you'd fix it because I get that that's your like secret sauce, um, but tell me what's wrong okay cool so at least if they can pass the test on that that's to them so three minutes because you don't want to spend 20 minutes watching 300 videos from freelancers freelancers uh, really quick and plus that'll filter out a lot of people who are like eh, too much work so you'll end up with people who are more like yeah no I really would like this job I'd like to impress you and work with you um, which is good it's a good initial filter um, once you find a short list of people where you're like, okay, they made, they made an interesting, compelling argument. Then you want to have them do a writing test for you. And this can all go very quickly, right? If you just set deadlines and again, if then they, if they can't meet a deadline, that's yet another way to filter out a copywriter because it's shocking how many people just treat deadlines like they're nothing. It breaks <laughs> my heart. But if, so if you have that, okay, first go on this website, tell us in three minutes or less what's wrong with it. Um, what you believe isn't working or what you believe is working or whatever. You can ask yeah. that question. Um, then you shortlist it. Then you say, okay, cool. You've identified these things. Now tell me how you would fix the hero section. Basically rewrite the hero section for me or rewrite the whole page for me if, if it's a big enough project. Yeah. Um, and that's not about you getting spec work. You're not doing yeah. this so that you'll end up using it. Um, you're doing it just to see if they can do the job. And again, that might be you getting them to uh, rewrite your competitors yeah. section. So that they're not like, hey, you're just going to take my work and run with it. Um, sure. Or rewrite Etsy's homepage or whatever it might be, <laughs> um, which their homepage has like no copy on it, but whatever. Um, so that's, that's what you need to do. One, just find out if they know anything about what they're saying they know yeah. things about. And then two, can they actually do it? So what to do and then actually doing it. The how are the two key parts of a test then knowing, you know, you'd still want to know have they written copy before, not just because it's good to have experience, which it is, but that's not the most important thing. Um, But do they know how to work with clients? Are they going to be like complete assholes with you and like just show up when they feel like it a ghost on you all the time? Um, so that's where having some experience and some testimonials and things like that goes a long way, but more than anything, more than even that, because you can teach them how to work with you. You can say, I yeah. need you to email me every Friday with what you've done. Um, that's fine. The two most important things are like, do they know what to do? And then can they do it?
0: Yeah. And
1: so writing. This. Yeah.
0: You don't want to put, some people do want to put a uh, spec work out and that's, I mean, it's just not okay. Um, I don't like Well, it's just dishonest, so.
1: Yeah, it's garbage. That's
0: that's what it is, basically, and and, and end of. It's, and there are lots of people who are out there who are cheap and try to get something for free, and.
1: Yeah, and freelancers know that, and so the good ones are gonna shy away from that. The newbies are gonna go for it, and now you've got copy written by some person who's never written copy before. Well done, it should be free.
0: Yeah, Um, so if you're getting someone to do a writing test, is that something that should be paid
1: um i say if we end up <clears throat> if we end up using it we'll pay you for it but this is a writing test the yeah. the point is not to end up using it if it's so good that we want to use it then we're going to be hiring you anyway yeah. so cool yeah and that hasn't been a problem but if you think it might be a problem then don't get them to do the writing test on your site at all just get them yeah. to do it on on someone else's site all of it like First, identifying the problem and then rewriting it. You won't know, um, but you'll you won't know if what they're saying is true because yeah. that other site isn't yours and your business. But it's still um, a good proxy. for It's a the good
0: board. insight, and I yeah. I mean, and I think this is the. There are lots of people that will say they can write copy, and there are lots of people. I mean, there are lots of people that can. Um, how do you how do you charge, or how should you expect to pay for copy? Let's say you found your your dream freelancer, who's maybe going to be doing I don't know what it is, but um, yeah. they're going to be spending an amount of time. Are you looking at a project thing or a time thing? Or normally, uh,
1: the average copywriter will um, the average copywriter who knows what they're doing mm. will charge by the project generally because mm. they've. They're parts of communities, uh, usually Facebook groups for copywriters, where they'll go and say like, hey guys, I just got this job opportunity. What should I do? Everyone's like, don't quote by the hour, quote projects. So they'll know that going into it largely. Um, But that, in some cases, it might be okay to charge by the hour. So what I recommend is we have, uh, we put together this uh, detailed quote calculator on copy hackers. Um, where it's meant for freelance copywriters Mm -hmm. to figure out what to charge, but a prospective client, like a business, could use the same calculator and say, okay, so I'm looking at having somebody write a homepage. Um, I'd like them to have written at least 10 homepages in their time, and I'd like them to go through this sort of process, and you can just check off all the things you expect that your copywriter will need to do, and it'll give you a total at the bottom. So you can expect that... If you want somebody to write your homepage and they've written at least 10 homepages or other projects that are like very, very similar to homepage yeah. or probably 10 of the, exactly that you want them to do a little bit of research and you want them to participate in the split testing process with you, check those things off. And it's like, okay, that's $3,000 project. Okay. Now I know what to spend on that. Now if I don't have that budget, I need to take things away. Like they won't be doing any research. I'll have to provide all the research. All they're going to do is write copy. I might be able to get them for as little as $400, right? So that's Mm. a way to do it. But you're going to get shit copy, by the way because they haven't done any research. So good luck. (laughs) But that's, I think that's a really useful thing because it really, it depends, but know that it should be a project unless you're going to put them on retainer, but retainers Mm. are a problem for work like this, but it could be done. But that's really
0: what it comes down to. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's really that's really helpful because I mean this is something that kind of comes up so much, and I think we're in the business of being fair. Um, and I think um, oh, cool. I will share that. So copyhackers.com/freelance-copywriter-quote-calculator. dash dash It's um, a long one. Yes. We'll we'll put it into uh, we'll put it into the. Um, into the into the podcast, so people can uh, pick it up. But uh, no, I mean, it's there are so many people that just want stuff cheap, and it it it, it doesn't uh, you know quality is its own economy at the end of the day. So I just I was interested in getting your kind of take on how that should work and how it um, should work fairly. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, so. that's about yeah, and and that's where if you're trying to get it done cheap. Um, it's going to be hard to reason with you, but if we can reason with you, train yourself then, and it'll be cheap. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still your time, which is really difficult. But if you're like, well, it's too expensive for me to do it. Well, then you're going to need to find more budget so a good person can actually get it done. <laughs> if, not, if you're too expensive to do it, which is understandable, yep. then but you have to still find good bud for someone else to do it. If it's valuable enough, you have to find the money. Yeah. You have to, or you have to do it yourself and train
0: yourself. I agree. Um, so we're coming up to the end here, which is very sad because I thought we, would, we might actually just do a thirty-minute one here, but um, you just got longer. too much sorry, to say. Too much to say. Is there anything? Is there anything that you want to kind of leave us with as a as a as a few sort of I know parting thoughts on what's wrong with the world of copy and how we can put it right. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, good lord! Um, did you say we have another thirty minutes to talk about this?
0: <laughs> um, more time.
1: I'll try to do it in a minute. Um, yeah, it really comes down to when I mean, we opened up by talking about the seven sweeps. I think that part comes last. So the actual things you think about copywriting—that a lot of people think about copywriting, like wordsmithing—that comes up end of a process that Mm. is much more thoughtful than a lot of people give it credit for starts with research and discovery and that's the biggest part of the process every single time and if you're hiring somebody who doesn't have that as part of their process pump the brakes do not hire that person because you're there's no copywriter on the planet who is so gifted that they can just sit down and dream up the world's most perfect copy. Like it doesn't exist because unless you're trying to convert the copywriter with your copy, um, but if you're trying to convert anybody other than that person, they need to go into the research and discovery. So that's where the process starts. It's the biggest part of it. Then comes writing, wireframing and editing, and that's where the seven sweeps tacks on to the end of that. And then the final part, is validation. So sometimes that means A-B testing, other times it means like go on five second test and throw up the hero section and ask people, was it clear? Like ask them about clarity, ask them if it was specific, ask them what they felt when they landed there, ask them if they know who it's for, all those kinds of things before you ever put it live. Um, put it in front of other people really at every point in the copywriting process you should be going out and trying to get the rest of the world to feed you with ideas and then to um, identify specific things about what you might have done wrong get out of your boardroom get out of the echo chamber that you might be in um, and start copywriting from the outside not inside
0: fantastic well that's a very good summary. As Damn summaries! I was yes. gonna, uh, yeah, uh, I won't, uh, I won't bother because you just do this so much better than I do. Um, Joanna, thank you so much. Um, thank, thank you so you. much. I know it's been uh, difficult to kind of get us. Um, I
1: know our well. timing has been terrible. I know. But I'm glad but,
0: we could. You know, we're both we're both busy people. Um, one Words of us is like important, that. and uh, um, I'm not. <laughs> you? So I'm just <laughs> I'm just <laughs> busy and unimportant. But uh, um, it was really, really great to uh, talk yeah. to you, and um, thank you so much for Thanks, your time. Uh, I hope that. Um, it's good. It's good to talk to people today when America is eating turkey, that um, are uh, that are out there and working. And uh, let's uh, let's let's try and uh, sort another one out next uh, next year or something. And I will love send it. you the link for Rahul's talk because uh, okay,
1: that'd be I great. I'd love be, uh,
0: it. A really a really good one. So, um, cool. without further ado, this is Mark Littlewood saying thank you very much indeed to Joanna. Um, And uh, we'll see you again on the next one. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.